The Word of God is food for the spirit and health to the body. Through the spirit of revelation, we are guided into the wisdom and deep mysteries in His Word that make our lives vibrant and productive. Welcome to the Makerefu Gospel Church Podcast. As you listen in, the glory of God will be quickened and activated in your life. And now, the Word. I want to share with you from the book of Galatians, chapter 2. And I've called the focus of my discussion, the cross in me. The cross in me. Galatians chapter 2, the cross in me. The cross in me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And you know when we talk about the cross, Sometimes may think people may be misled to to think of this or something hanging around your neck. Well, I'm glad that we do that. That is okay. But the cross is a package of a number of things. It it symbolizes the sacrifice at, at Calvary. It symbolizes the blood that was shed. It symbolizes the event that happened at that T-shaped structure. So when we talk about the cross, let's have this open mind of the events, not the, the symbol, but the events, the symbol itself, but also the events that happened at Calvary. So Galatians 2, chapter 20 Paul goes on to say that I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. A younger man was taken to see a psychiatrist because the family members, the parents were concerned about the behavior of this boy. And they really felt that he was sick and had a mental problem. So they took him to the psychiatrist and they told the psychiatric doctor, a doctor, our son is sick. We have been observing his behavior and the way he does things, but we see it does not correlate with our expected behavior. And then the psychiatrist turned to the young man and asked a young man a question. Maybe he wanted to check whether really the young man has a problem. So he asked the young man a problem. 
do you agree that these days uh, your behavior is not, you know, is fascinating? The patient said in quotes, yes. And then the doctor asked another question. When did this behavior, because the parents reported that they have been observing this young man drawn to animal food. When they go to the, in the supermarket, instead of checking where the bread and other things are, pizza, sausage, the boy goes to where animal feeds are sold. Then he starts checking, checking cat feeds, dog feeds, and all. He's attracted to dog feed, food. Even sometimes he wants to pick part of it and smell and lick it. So he was asked, since when did this behavior begin? They were asking the patient. And then the answer was, from the time I became a cat. I don't want to go into the details of the questioning and all that because that is a private life of this person. But, you know, as far as this is more my concern was the response. This is a patient issue. And really, I am sorry that this young man was going through uh, this. But the answer that the young man gave, despite being a medical concern and really something not to be happy about, there is a behavioral lesson that we learn from that answer. Since when did this happen, begin to happen? From the time I became a cat. What I learned from that response, that what you perceive, what I perceive, the way and whom I perceive myself to be will determine what I go after. What I perceive to be, whom I perceive to be, you know, one's identity is critical to one's practice and the habits and the thinking and the ways of operation. People behave and do things and think the way they do. I guess we have psychologists here and social science will say, you're right. They do that because of what they perceive, partly not always, but partly because of what they perceive to be. And therefore, self, one's own self perfect, uh, self uh, perception will determine one's way of functioning. How they think, how they behave, what they do, what they go for, to some extent, basing on the answer of this patient, is determined by what they perceive to be. And therefore, if we want 
to correct the behavior and the way of doing things by a certain individual group of people, you must correct the perception of who those people think they are. And some people will say mindset change. Set is, uh, you know, changing the mindset. The world view, what we call world view, the way people see things to a great extent, because the, what you think will determine what you do. But the way people see things, what we call the world view, depends on who they think they are. And therefore, the events that happened at Calvary, or the cross or the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, more than 2,000 years ago, defines who we are, and they are still relevant and applicable to every one of us. The only difference is they are applied in history. The events. And for many Christians, unless we understand the meaning of those events and the essence of those events, we may not be so much different from the younger man who was asked, why are you drawn to animal food? When did this behavior begin? And then he said, from the time I became a cat. The way a Christian, a believer, understands how he or she identifies with the cross and the events of Calvary will determine the behavior, the practice, and the way they live their Christian life. It's important. And maybe this morning, it's going to be an eye-opener for us. I have a feeling that beginning from myself, we are confused. Many Christians are confused or they have been confused. They are deceived or they are deceiving others because of our failure to understand these events. Some people have eaten grass, others have licked people's shoes, others have been given blessed whatever it is or food or drinks and all that because the problem is not uh, that they, 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 they wanted to do that. But their identification with the cross has a problem and the events of the cross. And therefore, we end up being deceived. We end up being misled. We end up deceiving and misleading others. I have a sister in one of our churches who cautioned me. And he told me, uh, when you go, I told him that I'm going to church, eh? It was a, not a church like a, a, a full gospel family, but another church. So he was invited, but with this invite, he added this caution. Be careful about the snacks. They will serve you. People in that church actually have called you. We want you to stand. There's something you need to break on the church. But be careful when you reach there. 
because the practice is like they offer snacks. Some people are careful about the snacks they serve. They offer snacks, and the essence of those snacks is not like, you know, to 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 for for good intentions and reasons. But there's a way they will weaken you. By the time you come to minister, you're already, already spiritually weakened. Okay. For sure. Have you ever read about a scripture which talks of the blood of Jesus Christ that speaks better things than the blood of Abel? Have you ever read that scripture? Because as far as I know, if I'm to identify with the events I've been talking about, whatever you offer me, whether with good or bad intentions, the moment I bless it and I sanctify it with the blood of Jesus Christ, the rest is history. Actually, Jesus even said that those who are caught off guard when they are on, on, on work, doing his work, they'll even take poisons and it will not harm them. Off guard, they are taken off guard, they are on duty, and suddenly the poison is presented. Jesus affirmed, ah, do not worry. So I said, do you know this scripture? I did not ask her, but I sensed that my brother needed the help. He had the wrong false identity, self-identity. See, so they have never read that scripture. That the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of him. First of all, what does it mean? What does the scriptures, this scripture mean that the blood of Jesus speaks better things? We are told by someone who was once a witch, but now converted. I was here in Ibulaga at the beginning of this year. I was in Ibulaga for gospel church. I had a revival, a one month of prayer, and then I was invited. And then once someone who gave a testimony, whether it is true or not, but I sensed something, maybe some little truth. So he said, for us, there is a way we attach, you know, meaning on the blood he offered when they are still in their, in their, in their practice, when he was still there. He was categorizing the blood of different creatures and animals. And he said, you know, we are going to have a Lord's table like today. Then I was talking about the power in the blood and all that. He said, you know, when we are still there, the blood of, 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 of a God spoke stronger things than the blood of a hen. If you offer the blood of a God, the, the benefits were not equivalent as someone who had offered the blood of a hen. And also he went on to say, but also the blood of a sheep was stronger than the blood of a God. And the blood of a cow was stronger than the blood of a sheep. It depended on the sacrifice. And then he went another level. I wanted to ask, did you do that? But I did not ask. The blood of a human is far stronger than the blood of another animal. And he goes on to tell us, but not all human beings are equal. The blood of a prince is far stronger than the blood of any human being. I was about to ask him, 
Where did you get the prince? And I just kept silent. I said, but also the blood of a king is far stronger than the blood of a prince. Say, now pause a minute. You can stop there. We did not come to preach the gospel of demons. Now that one you have understood. Say, but Jesus Christ is not only a prince, but a, prince, a king of kings. Literally, using a kind of mind, I was thinking, if there is anything that Satan can do to reverse the work of the cross and the sacrifice, if there is anything, any witch doctor, I'm talking about the, 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 the sure blood. If there is anything that a witch or any sacrifice of a witch can do to offend you, you is in Christ. That which must look for a king of kings. I don't know whether where you will get a king of kings. We must look for a king of kings. If we can, I don't think it's also possible to look for a king of kings and you sacrifice a king of kings. But even though it was possible, all these other bloods were contaminated. But the blood of Jesus Christ other than being the blood of a king of kings, was pure. Now the deal is sealed. The deal is sealed. There is nothing that can reverse the conclusion at Caravan. The deal was done, sealed, perfect, a sacrifice for a king of... Even witch doctors know that. that Jesus Christ was... Shed the blood of a king of kings, and it had no trace of sin. You cannot find that blood anywhere. Not in heaven, not on earth. You will never find a king of kings here whose blood has no sin. So there is nothing the enemy can. So there is no way now you can tell me. Be careful with the snacks. It will weaken your ministry. Unless I am like the other boy I told you, whom the psychiatrist asked a question, since when did you start to be drawn to that animal food? I said, from the time I, was, I became a, a, a cat. I cannot, if I identify the way, I identify with the cross, the way my self-perception, my own identity, with the events of Calvary, will determine my practice, will determine the way I behave, will determine how strong my faith is, Christian faith is. But leaving that aside and going back to the text that we read in the next 20 minutes, it is one thing to be excited about what God has done for you and me at the cross. I don't know whether you have ever thought about this. People can get excited about what God has done for us, the benefits we have. Demons fear us. We ask for things and happen. Our sins are forgiven. We are protected and safe. Those are benefits. When we identify with the cross, with the sacrifice of Calvary, 
We, we can be excited about what God has done for you and me, but we ignore to embrace what the cross is intended to do in our lives. It has two faces. What it has done for us and what it's intended to do in us. And this morning we want to focus on what the cross is intended to do in our lives. Not for us. For us, the deal is sealed. But what about in our lives? Because we may not enjoy the benefits until we embrace what is intended to do in our lives. The cross in me, as the theme of this discussion is, safeguards the blessings and the provision of the cross for me. If we are to pick a verse in the Bible on how to become Christians, and they have an assumption that all of us who are seated here, we are Christians, we got saved. If you have not yet, uh, if you're not saved and you're seated here, please see me at the end of this service. I have an assumption that all of us are born again. But if someone is to ask me to pick a verse that tells to read for someone who wants to become a Christian, immediately I will go for John 3.16. For God so much loved the world that he gave his own son. Whosoever believes in him, you know the verse. But if someone is to ask me to quote a verse, of course there are many, on how to live as a Christian. The other one was how to become a Christian. How to live as a Christian, immediately I will go for this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I have now. In the flesh I live by faith, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What is the background of this text? Peter, the leader of the apostles, decides to visit a Paul. Because Paul was called to serve the Gentiles. And Peter was focusing on the Jews. You read Galatians chapter 2, you will see the background. So now Paul goes, Peter goes, and he sits in the middle, in the midst of the Gentiles. And they serve, let me use this, it might not have been a tea, but they serve him snacks, they serve him food. They're excited to see Peter, they give him snacks and everything. So he sits with them and Paul and Barnabas. And they enjoyed the feast with the Gentiles. As they were eating, there are some Jews who knew Peter that he was a Jew. So they presented themselves, whether it was a dining hall or a room. And when Peter saw the fellow Jews, when the fellow Jews had arrived, he withdrew. So moved out of whatever the eating space, 
because he did not want to offend the fellow Jews because of the racial differences that happened between the Jews and the Gentiles. He did not want him to be judged that he sat and he ate with the Gentiles. So he withdraws. I don't know what, what he did, but you read for yourself. And then Paul saw Peter's behavior. Paul went and confronted Peter. And he told Peter, what you're doing is not right. Your behavior, your social, social behavior, Paul, Peter, your social decisions are not controlled by the gospel belief system. I know you are the lead of the apostles. I know you were with Jesus Christ. I know you were saved. I know you were a Christian, a committed Christian. But your social decisions, the way you practice things, the way you do things, it is not scriptural. Looks like a Peter, though you are the cardinal, you are the leader, you are the bishop, but you still have a problem in understanding the scriptures and how man identifies with the cross. It's not about eating. If you're still offended by the rituals, the, the law, and the practice, how don't you know that we are crucified? Don't you know, Peter, that when we accepted Christ, immediately we died? Whoever accepts Christ, he dies immediately with the Christ. When the 5,000 years back, this is how it is. You die. And Peter, the law points us to death. If you break a law, you must die. Now we have already died. Can a law apply to dead people? Can you get a body, exhume a body, and you say, we charge you for murder. We charge you for, 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 for rape. It cannot. The moment we die, then the law ceases to be applicable. If Peter, you still controlled by the law and the things, you know, the practices, the ritual, it reveals that you have not been crucified. No one judges a dead person. No one judges a dead person. And even some, that's why these people, suicide, whatever, they, they blow themselves up. Because whether they have harmed the people, it ends with death. And then Paul goes on to say these words to Peter. That I was crucified. You know, I was crucified. Let your behavior, let your way of thinking, let your way of doing things be aligned with the gospel belief system. The question is, and I think Jesus said in Matthew chapter, he told, talked about the same, Matthew 16, 24 to 25. He said, whoever is to follow me must deny himself or herself. Carter is a cross and follow me. That word, deny yourself, is not a difference from dying. But how do I know now this is the gist of the discussion? How do I know that I've died? You and me, how can we tell 
that we, are, we have died with Christ. Because what the cross does in us, we must, we must, I was telling people, we must die to self, or else we will not see the manifestation of God, we will not see the working of God, we will not live a life that God called us to live as long as we have not died. God told Moses, when Moses wanted to see his faith and told him, no one who can see me and live, dead men see my face. It's not that when me and you we have died to self, we have denied ourselves that the work of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the leading of God can be made manifested in our lives. Or else we will live as defeated Christians. We will live as defeated Christians. We will be deceived and we shall deceive others as long as we have not been crucified. Ourself has not been killed. And how do I know? It is simple. How do I know? Jesus wanted A and I want B. But do you know what someone who is crucified does? Even though A is extremely important, he will choose to do B, not A. Not A. It is simple. I want to do this. I want to get married. I'm a young man. I'm a young, 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 young lady. And then I see this person who is not a Christian. I need the money. I need a powerful introduction, a powerful marriage, whatever it may be. He's not saved. He's not saved. He's not saved. But I really feel I should go for that. That is it. But Jesus has a call for your life and my life and wants you to be united with someone of your destiny who will help you to serve God better. And that person, humanly speaking, mm, he does not pass the mark. Do you know what a crucified person does? He leaves the A and he does B. Sometimes our decisions determines whether we are dead or alive. We we'll always choose because the Bible says, the life I live is not mine. I was crucified. Because I don't exist for myself. I do what Jesus determines my decisions. I have a job. I have a scholarship. I'm not saying that we live scholarships. A scholarship. I have a ministry. Well, we are weighing where I want to be a prominent so and so. And there is a path that will take me to that prominence. But the path that Christ is showing me, it is not, it is hazy. It is not clear. There are lots of ambiguities in it. How do I make a decision as a someone who has died and crucified? I leave something which makes sense humanly as long as it's not what God is saying and I take a path of Jesus Christ. Do you know why? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who live in me.
Let us leave this, 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 because it has, it is rich. It is rich on how to live as a Christian. All of us, we have appliances in our houses. We have refrigerators. We have saucepans. We have microwaves. We have ovens. We have whatever you have, jerry cans. All these are household appliances. But you know, they don't exist for themselves. A refrigerator does not freeze something so that it can eat its own ice cream. A saucepan does not prepare food to, to, to swallow it at the end of the day. They exist for the benefit of the owner who bought them at a price. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, that you were bought at a price. If you see a saucepan that you put on a stove, and then you put your beef or whatever, and then when you come back, it has swallowed the beef. That saucepan, you destroy it. You bought it at a price from a winner, and then this refrigerator freezes whatever milk there, yogurt, and then it scoops it. That is not a water price. You bought it, the issue is, you bought it at a price. The what it was bought, what was purchased, exists for the benefit of a purchaser. The purpose of the purchaser was that the thing purchased may benefit the purchaser. But we have freezers and the fridges, these are Christians, I may be part of them, who eat the owner's beef on the, the charcoal stove. By the time the owner comes, they have eaten. They are benefiting themselves. I am benefiting myself. I am not benefiting the purchaser. The Bible says we were bought at a price. Jesus, the events of the Calvary, you were bought at a price. The moment the refrigerator begins to eat its own ice cream, that refrigerator ceases to live for the reason it was purchased. Let me now go. I don't, I don't want to use symbols. Now let me be clear. The primary reason why you got saved is not to live a posh life. Christ bought you and me to benefit him, to benefit his purpose, to benefit his assignments. He has assignments on this third planet called the planet Earth. And God used men to reach out to men. The reason why he bought you and me so that he can use this appliance called Kagali, Mwebe, or someone to benefit his purpose first. When we put our purposes, a Porsche vehicle, it is not bad. It is not bad. The only challenge is, it is not the primary reason for a purchaser. Even when you're given a chance to talk to a group of Christians, and even those who were enticing to get saved, don't begin 
with the earthly benefits. Jesus did not shed his blood primarily that you and me may live a primary, a Porsche life. Life, you drive the best cars, we have the best houses, the Porsche houses. Sometimes even we can desire to move in helicopters. That is good, but it was not the primary reason why me and you were purchased at a higher price. As you go and you pick a saucepan, you want that saucepan to serve the purpose you, the purchaser, wanted to do. Not what the saucepan takes as a priority. The cross in us. The cross in me. And you know, I have a feeling that me and you, we have failed to experience life the way God wants us to, to experience it. We have failed to have ministries and whatever it is without power. We have not been victorious. Why? Until we learn that I no longer exist for myself. I exist for Christ. There is someone who lives for me, who must determine and guide my decisions. Who must determine my decision? He determines the wife you marry. He determines the husbands you must get married to. He determines the way you spend your money. The way when I get a job, a powerful job, God has blessed me. The way I spend my money. Let me be very careful not to eat the ice cream I'm freezing. I may end up eating or taking all the soup in the saucepan. And I forget that the money, the benefits, the life, the talents, the riches are given. I am an apply appliance. They are given so that they can primarily benefit the purchaser before they benefit him. Before they benefit him. Please let us, I know we want to go to the Lord's table, but let us reflect on this. Or else, me and you, we will just live religiously. Or we come excited and we live excited on a Sunday morning. But from Monday to Saturday, the supernatural will not function. It will not function. Do you know why? Because the refrigerator eats its own ice cream. It's its own ice cream. If someone is to ask you as we bring the Lord's table, if someone is to ask you and me, what are your plans? What are your plans? I have a feeling that the right response will be, well, uh, yeah, I have set plans and goals, but I need to check also with what God has for me. No, 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 no. Will you be serious? You mean you can live a life without goals and plans? No, I've said I have set my goals. And I have a plan, but I need to check with what Jesus has for me and also whether my plans are aligned with Jesus' plans. Why? Why? Why do you give us that answer? Because dead people do not plan. Dead people do not plan. 
The right answer would be, what are God's plans? As we are leaving this house, what are God's plans for you and me? What is God's plan for the job you have? What is God's plan for the family you have? The moment we put Christ aside, we are not crucified. And remember, as I always say, dead men see his face. As long as we are living, there are some things God wants to crucify in our lives. There are some habits. There are some, whatever you, you have, I know my weaknesses. Those which are still shouting, I may be eating my, the soup I prepared in the saucepan you called Mwere. By the time the owner of the saucepan who bought it at the supermarket to serve the function, when he comes, I have taken all the soup and the beef. The purchaser bought an appliance and did a purchase to benefit himself. When me and you, we go and we buy a phone, we must benefit from this phone. Jesus bought you. Jesus bought me at a price so that we can benefit his kingdom first. May the Lord help us understand that. Thank you for listening. We hope that you've been strengthened with his might and fortified by the word of God. Please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages at Full Gospel Map. Goodbye.